0: We're in the middle of a series called Q&A, Questions and Answers. We had people submit questions that they wanted to hear what the Bible had to say about that. And so today, by the way, the first three sermons, if you missed them, they're on on our website that you can find at mylpcoli.com or you can go to our, find our YouTube channel and watch them there. But today we are talking about what are my responsibilities as a church member? I don't know who submitted that question. My first thought was Jim submitted this question, (laughs) but actually I don't, I don't think he did. Anyway, it's a good question. (laughs) What do I really want these people to know? Um, So what are my responsibilities as a church member? Well, first uh, I want to just ask this question that we need to answer. What is the church? What is the church? Is the church a building? Is it a place? The answer is no. Lynn, you get an A. The answer is no. The church is not, if we all picked up and walked down the road to the park, the church would be at the park and this would just be an empty building. The church is not a place, it's a people. You don't go to church, you are the church. Now, we say go to church. I'm not asking you not to say that. I'm still going to say that too. Go to church. But it's a good mindset to have. You don't go to church. You are the church. Whose church is it? It's God's church. It's God's church. It's not my church. It's not your church. This is God's church that we get to be a part of. So as I was thinking about this question this week, I, I thought, you know, What I really need to do before I answer that question is answer this question. Is church membership commanded in the Bible? Is it even biblical? Because you'll get people who say, "Eh, I don't really see that in the Bible. I don't need to join a church. So is it in the Bible? Is it commanded in the Bible? So I will say yes and no. No, it is not explicitly commanded in the Bible. You won't find a verse that says, thou shalt apply for membership at a local church. But it is inferred, it is implied in the Bible, I should say. There are many th- things that are not explicitly stated in the Bible, but you, but can be inferred. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, thou shalt not drive your car off of a cliff. But you can infer from other things in the Bible that you should not drive your car off a cliff. By the way, don't drive your car off a cliff. So there are ways that the Bible talks about what we should be doing as believers and as a body of believers that make the case for membership. And so I'm going to make the case for church membership to you. Number one, the church in the Bible is referred to as a body with many members your hand is a member of your body. Your arm is a member. Your ear is a member. They are organic members of your body. They make up your body, right? So I won't read it, but it's referred to as a body in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. So it'd be, be kind of weird if I had an arm that just didn't do anything that was just, right? It it serves a purpose. So the church is a body. Second, the, the Bible talks about shepherding. I'm going to read Acts 20, 28. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the elders from the church in Ephesus. And he says this to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That is a very powerful, sobering, weighty verse for me as a pastor and should be for all of us as believers. The church of who? The church of God which he obtained with his own blood. That's how important the church is to God. He obtained it with his, he shed his blood for the church. First Peter five two says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So God calls certain people to be pastors and elders and to oversee and to shepherd the flock. So here's a question. How are pastors and elders supposed to know who is their flock if there aren't any official members? Who am I responsible for? Am I responsible for other believers down the street at some other church? Because... um, pastors and elders are going to give an account one day before God for the for the flock that is under our care. How am I supposed to know who the flock is? So I believe that makes a case for official membership at a church. By the way, as I was preparing this message, it became more and more clear to me that this is a lot of this is hard. A lot of this is going to be hard to hear and maybe make you uncomfortable. So I'm just the messenger. I'm just the mailman delivering the mail. But if the Bible says something, we want to know what it says, right? The Bible talks about our walk, our faith. We need to understand what it says. So here's another reason another that for the case for uh, church membership. Discipline. Everyone's favorite word. Discipline. Matthew 18:15 through 17 This is talking about if you have a problem with someone else in the church who's a believer if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother but if he does not listen take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses if he refused refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So it seems that the church, now he's addressing the church here when he says take it to the church. He's not talking about just the church leadership. He says the church. So it seems that the church is the final court of appeal in matters of Discipline. So how would you define who is the church that the issue of discipline gets brought to if you don't have members? Do you, get, do you bring this, this weighty matter of discipline? Do you bring it just before anybody who happens to walk through the doors? I don't think so. If there's no such thing as membership, how do you f- define that group? So here's another reason for, in the case for church membership. Excommunication. This is a real fun list, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 5, 11-13. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, that is a believer, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is it an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one? For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So, excommunication, that word means putting someone out of the church. So the fact that 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 concept of excommunication exists at all implies church membership. There's those outside and then there's those inside. Someone who has willingly brought themselves under the authority of that church. So membership helps define who is an accountable part of the church body. So here's another reason in the case for membership. Submission. It's funner and funner. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So membership is implied in the biblical requirement for all Christians to be submitted to a group of, of church leaders. So are you to be submitted to any church leader from any church? No, it's it's your local body that you're a part of is to be submitted to those leaders at that church. So membership helps define who has made the commitment to be led. And as as the Bible tells us, the leaders will give an account, as I mentioned before, to God. They need to know who their flock is. So if you're a believer, that is, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've accepted his gift of forgiveness of your sin and said, I make you the Lord of my life, then you are a part of the universal church. The universal church is all Christians everywhere across the globe. But then there's also the local church. To belong to the body of Christ means to belong to a local body of believers. That's the New Testament model. You won't find in the New Testament any Lone Ranger Christians. I was wondering as I typed that if Lone Ranger um, dated me. Some of you will remember a month or so ago, Jim used the theme from Gilligan's Island in his sermon. He rewrote the words, and he was, and we were all, all of us with gray in our hair, were laughing. And my daughter, who's in her late 30s, or her late 20s, and and her husband, they both looked at me like, what is he talking about? Like, it's Gilligan's Island. They're like, felt very old. (laughs) Anyway, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. You cannot do the things that the Bible says to do on your own. So those, I believe, are some reasons that, make a case for actually official membership at a church, at a local church. And, you know, this is all very countercultural and it actually tends to go against our nature. That's why I said, as I was studying this, it's like, I don't like this. And I think other people won't like it either because we want to do what we want to do, right? I say half jokingly a lot, don't tell me what to do. I say it jokingly, but you know, that's my heart. (laughs) Don't tell me what to do. We want to, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go do that. I don't know if it's convenient, if I feel like it at the time, if nothing better comes along. Um, but that's not the, that's not the life that we're called to as believers. And here's the thing. If you resist the idea, of knowing and being known, of being committed, of being devoted, of being responsible and accountable. It's a spiritual issue. Because Jesus calls us to die to ourselves and to serve others. The church... The church is for the protection, the edification, and the building up of Christians. It's for the believers flourishing. It's not a matter of control. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. When two believers are together, growing together and holding each other accountable, it's like iron sharpening iron. We need each other. So a member of the church, as I said, is someone who is saved through faith in Jesus, is baptized as the Bible commands, and is committed to supporting this local church. That's why we have a process to verify that those things are true of you. You may not realize it, but we do have a process that when somebody says, I want to join your church, I want to be an official member, we have a process to go through because... Those things need to be true about a person who wants to join the church, make sure that they are actually saved through faith in Jesus, they've been baptized, and that they are committing to join themselves, to to serve and be an active part of this church. So here at LifePoint, just because we like to make things more complicated, we call members partners. We refer to our members as partners. Why do we do that? Well, I'll read this to you from our website, from our partner page. It starts off with a verse, Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So why do we say partner instead of member? It it goes on on the website. It says, at LifePoint, we use the term partner rather than member because we feel that it more accurately describes the relationship into which the Holy Spirit leads us in the church. In any joint venture, partners make a mutual investment, accept mutual risk, and experience mutual blessing. Partners aren't spectators. They have skin in the game. So we call, that's why we call them partners. So all that was by way of introduction. Now we get to the responsibilities of a church member. And I found a bunch of lists online with different things in them, different lengths. And so I gleaned what I felt were the most helpful, what I thought were the most helpful. So responsibilities of a church member. Number one, attend regularly. In recent years, maybe over the past 10 years or so, it seems like the norm is if you attend church once or twice a month, you would say, oh, I attend regularly. That's my church that I attend. And I understand that things happen, vacations happen, sick days happen, other things happen, that not everybody's going to be in church all the time. But I would just say that that would be that you'd be in church regularly would be the norm and not the exception. And it's a matter of prioritizing. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're commanded to meet together. Another responsibility of a church member is to protect the gospel. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says this. This is Paul writing to the believers, the church in Galatia. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So he's not writing to the pastors and elders at that church. He's writing to the believers. So, you need to know the word yourself. How are you going to know if somebody does come and preach something else than the, God, the true gospel, how are you going to know that it's error if you don't know the word yourself? You've got to be in the word. You've got to know this yourself. Read your Bible. Here's another responsibility of a church member. Love one another. That command is, is all over the New Testament, but I'll just read this one. John 13, 35. This is Jesus talking. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That was the gospel that John, the apostle John wrote. He also wrote some letters. His first letter, um, cleverly called 1 John, um, is all, over and over again. It talks about love your brothers love your brothers, love your brothers, love the people, the other believers in your church. And love is tangible, it's active, and it's expressed through service. Jesus said, if you would be great, those if you'd be great, you'd be a servant to all. Take responsibility to love each other. Pursue wandering members. If you look around and you say, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while, reach out to him. Say, hey, I haven't seen you. I missed you. Miss seeing you. I hear about uh, people all the time. I'm sure this happens in all churches. You hear about people who are like, where's so-and-so? Well, they... They don't go here anymore because nobody they they were gone for a while and nobody reached out to them. And oftentimes you'll hear about it through the grapevine or on Facebook or whatever. And sometimes they're like, they say, nobody reached out to me except so-and-so and and so-and-so and this person. But nobody reached out to me. Hey, you guys are the church. I mean, I know it's nice to hear from a pastor. But if you're hearing from members of the church, you're hearing from the church. You are the church. We care for each other. So there's a, a whole list that you'll hear referred to sometimes as the one another's in the New Testament. And it's the things that we're supposed to do with each other as believers. And I'm gonna there's a whole long list of them. Uh, you won't be able to write them all down, but I'm just going to work through them We're supposed to love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be like-minded towards one another, accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak the truth in love, be kind and compassionate, Compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another in love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another clothe yourselves with humility towards one another pray for one another confess your faults to one another it's hard to do all of those things if your only exposure to your church family is on 75 is 75 minutes on a sunday once a week we need to be cultivating relationships with the people in our church And not everybody. You can't know everybody. You can't have a relationship with everybody. But there's going to be a person or two or a small circle of people that you can connect with here at this church. So look for ways to cultivate those relationships. Share a meal with somebody. Invite them over to your house for dinner or go out to dinner or go meet for coffee. It takes an effort. I'll just say that. And I don't want to do it. I'd rather be at home, honestly, (laughs) because I'm an introvert. But we're not called to do the things that are only comfortable to us. That's why we emphasize um, the importance of joining a life group or or some other type of group with other believers. And we're working to uh, ramp up to launch our life groups again in the fall. Um, so I would encourage you, if you're not a part of a life group or some other group, commit to yourself in your mind that when those launch, you're going to find a group because that's really where you get to know people and pray for each other and get into the word together and iron sharpening iron. Don't run the race alone. We're not meant to run this race alone. So another responsibility of a church member is to preserve unity. Colossians three, twelve through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Don't you want to know that kind of person? What if you met somebody who had a compassionate heart, who was kind, who was humble, who was meek, who was patient, patient with all your nonsense, who could bear with you, and who's forgiving? Commit to be that kind of person. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's hard (laughs) to be united, to have unity, I should say, with a bunch of people in a church. Because the church is full of a bunch of people. And people just don't act right, right? So it's hard. But I'll tell you, it's in every church. Every church is full of a different group of people. And especially, you know, especially churches, because... It's unusual for a, such a diverse group of people from all walks of life and social strata and, and backgrounds and ages and different preferences for us to come together and be united, right? It's hard. You have to work at it. So quarreling, gossip, and divisiveness should not mark the life of the believer Avoid division and actively work toward preserving unity. So what do you do when you get offended or hurt? Because I promise you, you're going to get offended or hurt. Usually not on purpose, but none of us act right, like I said. So we end up offending people and we end up hurting people. What do you do when that, not if, but when that happens? Do you leave without telling anyone? We have had so many people, and I know this happens at all churches. Like I said, you don't, it's like, what happened to so and so? Oh, well, they got hurt over something or they got offended, so they left. And you reach out to them, and they don't return your call or text or email. They're just mad. And they've taken that baggage somewhere else to a different church. And there are people who go around from church to church to church to church getting hurt and offended and never dealing with it. The Bible calls us to deal with it. If somebody offends you, you go to that person and you deal with it. And there might be people in this room right now who are at this church because you left another church because you were hurt or offended and you didn't deal with it. You need to deal with it. Because you brought your baggage here. We're all just a bunch of churches with a bunch of baggage. <laughs> it's hard to be, to have unity. But we need to. So here's the next one the next responsibility of a church member give generously. I knew he was going to say that. Uh, Pastor Jim has preached entire sermon series about. Giving and what the Bible has to say about giving, so I won't belabor it. I'll just say a couple of things. Um, One phrase that he uses often is, when it comes to your money, it's not what God wants from you, it's what He wants for you. He doesn't want us to be a slave to our money. And there's debate about whether the tithe from the Old Testament, giving 10%, that's what tithe means, 10% of your income, is that still applicable today or not? I'll just say, I believe it is, but I'll just say, your giving should be regular, generous, and sacrificial. And that's going to look different for all of us. So, And I would just say this, that if if you are so in debt that you couldn't hope to give anything to to the church, by the way, this is how the church is, is supported, is through the giving of its members. Um, If you're so in debt that you can't possibly give anything, I'd say what God wants for you is for you to get out of that slavery and say, God, help me to think about my money differently, help me for me to live differently so that the money that you've given me, God, I can hold with an open hand and you can use it however you would have me use it. Next, responsibility of a church member. Serve faithfully. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the work of the church isn't meant to be done by the church professionals, the pastors and the elders. This verse tells us that, our job is to equip you for the work of ministry. To teach you what the word says. To show you how to use your gifts. Romans twelve four through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So each one of you is gifted differently. There is something different that you do, you are gifted to do and maybe you're passionate about that nobody else can do or even wants to do. I have a daughter who loves to organize. It brings her great joy to organize things. I don't get it, how she came from our DNA. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a gift. And I'm like, why would... She's like, ooh, tubs and folders and let me get to work. There's something like that that you love, that you are good at, that you are passionate about. And you may not even realize it because you just love it. It's just what you do. It wouldn't occur to you that nobody else would like to organize. God brings in his sovereignty and his wisdom, he brings together a group of people in a local church. And... He would have all of us be active members and use our gifts. It's it's a miraculous thing that happens, that God brings together just a ragtag, misfit bunch of people and uses us for his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. That's why he gets the glory. It's because those people are together doing stuff. So how do you figure out what your thing is? Maybe you already know, maybe you don't, but you need to figure it out. If you're not already serving, and I'm not just talking about serving on Sunday morning, being a greeter at the door or serving in the back. There may be some, there, there are people who are who are part of our church who serve outside of these walls all during the week. Serving people, doing things for people. So what is your thing? Why has God brought you to this church? What gift do you have that he would intend for you to use as a part of this body. We can help you figure that out. If you don't know, or if you know what your gift is, like, I don't know how to use that at this church, we'll help you figure it out. But you need to take the step and let us know that you're willing. And um, Katie Myrick, who many of you know, she serves in the back. She, she was in the first service and she talked to me in between. She said, oh, you should have talked about kids camp because it's the perfect example. And... um so I'll talk about that. She said she's, she's a big part of Kids Camp, and she's always amazed every year as she looks around at all the adults who are serving these kids, all the various ways that, you know, a whole group of old guys. Sorry, old guys. I'm approaching your, your group. Whole group group of old guys who are out there in fluorescent yellow vests acting as security and keeping an eye on things and mostly standing around in a circle chewing the fat with each other. (laughs) But they're using their gifts. They love to serve. And people playing games with kids and people being crazy on the stage for kids. And It's a perfect example of a diverse group of people coming together and serving for the Lord. So the next responsibility of a church member is to pursue holiness. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's what you're supposed to pursue. It's an active pursuit that you increased in in Christ-likeness and victory over sin. You do this through regular Bible reading. As I mentioned before, you got to be in the Word. Regular Bible reading, regular prayer, and worship, those should all be made an ultimate priority. We all prioritize something. and when you pri- prioritizing something is a is an is a act of the will so if you're not prioritizing those things prioritize them you need to make the decision pursue holiness it's your responsibility weakness in one member can impact the entire church body here's the last responsibility of a church member there are more but Today, here's the last one. Share the gospel. The Great Commission is for every believer. What is the Great Commission? It's Jesus' words to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven. And he told them this. We find it in Matthew 28 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Second Corinthians five seventeen through 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So God made provision for people to be reconciled to him. And he decided to include you and me as believers in taking that message out to the world, all of us. What does an ambassador do? It says we're ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador goes to another country and represents his country to that country. You represent Christ when you're out in the world. So that could be uncomfortable to think about sharing your faith with other people. I would just say, do this. Pray to God and say, God, would you give me opportunity? Would you And would you give me the eyes to see the opportunity? And then would you give me the boldness to take the opportunity? God will answer that prayer. Maybe you're not going up to strangers saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. But maybe somebody that you already know, God gives you an opportunity because you asked for it to say something about your faith, to tell your story. So I would just encourage you to think about what you would say to somebody. Hey, I put my faith in Jesus. He died on the cross for my sin and he offers that as a gift so that I can be forgiven and have the hope of heaven. Something like that. Or say, here's my story. I was this way and then I met Jesus and he's changed everything. But ask for the opportunity and then be ready for the opportunity. So, Band, you can go ahead and come on up. Um, so in conclusion, which is what pastors say when they want you to think they're almost done. I am actually almost done. <clears throat> so I believe, I believe that membership is biblical. I believe it's important. I believe everybody who's a believer should be an official member of a local church, either this church or another church. The Bible doesn't know of, 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 like I said, Lone Ranger Christians or people who just regularly attend a church but have never really joined themselves to a church. So I would encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, uh, we do have a process and there's a few different ways you could do it. You could go to mylpcolicom partner you can do the whole thing on, well, you can start the whole process online. And here's what it is. It's, it's, here's what we believe. Do you agree? Here's our mission and vision and values. Can you support those? Uh, have you been baptized? Have you faith, placed your faith in Jesus? Bunch of questions. And if you agree to all that, you click, I would like to become a partner. And there's a, there's what we call a partnership promise that we ask people to agree to and it's many of the things that I've shared today and then if you go through all that and you say yep I'm in then uh, one of the pastors or elders me or somebody else will contact you and we'll just we'll just want to hear your story about how you came to faith and then um, and then you can become a partner and you're in so you can do that online at that site. Or you can take one of these cards out of one of the seats in front of you and just give us your contact info, and right on the back in one of the blanks there, uh, I'd like to become a partner, or I have questions about partnership. This is also... Oh, the third way is we have good old-fashioned paper partnership packets back at the Connect desk, back in front of the stairs, these white envelopes, says they say LifePoint or something on them, But uh, you can grab one of those and take it home and uh, fill it out at your leisure. These cards are also good for um, um, finding a group. If you're not a part of a group and you want to be a part of a group, you, you can check that on here. Finding a place to serve or exploring where to serve on here. So if you fill one of these out, just drop it in the offering box, and we can help you. We can help you take a step. And I would encourage you to take a step. Commit yourself to the church, the bride of Christ, which he obtained with his blood. Let's pray together. Dear God, um, some of these words are maybe hard to hear. It's hard to get out of ourselves and um, actually get out of our comfort zone and serve and lay down our rights for your kingdom. God, help us as we think about these words today. Help us to have your heart for the church and to see the importance of saying, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. I want to use my gifts. I want you to use me, God, for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen.